Good morning. Um, I'm Dr Will Carroll from the University Hospitals of North Midlands. Well, more specifically from the Staffordshire Children's Hospital at Royal Stoke now, as we're the youngest and newest and I hope brightest children's hospital in the UK. I'm talking to you this morning about the things I wish I didn't know about asthma. And goodness, there's quite a lot of things I wish I didn't know about asthma. But this is part of the Ask About Asthma Week and we're on the primary care day today. So this is aimed squarely at everyone and all my colleagues in primary care. So good luck. Um, for those who are listening to this, and particularly if you enjoy the content, there'll be webinars throughout the week. Um, watch out for podcasts and blogs on social media. Um, so I, I'm with today, I'm with Georgie. Um, Georgie, I, I believe you have some questions to ask me. Uh, now, I know that I've primed you with these questions, but I think it's just easier on the listener to feel like it's coming straight from you. So if you could ping away with some of them and I'll do my best to answer them. Thank you, Will. So what is the biggest problem you encounter in helping children with their asthma? Oh, that, that really is quite easy. And I wish I didn't know about this. I wish I didn't know this about asthma. Um, it's achieving adherence. Um, we have really good treatments for children with asthma. Uh, we know that inhaled corticosteroids are incredibly effective, but there's all sorts of reasons why children either don't or can't take them. So let's think about some of the barriers that there might be. Um, I guess with younger children, uh, there's often concerns from the parents particularly if they think that they're inhaled steroids. And oh, I know that most parents hate the steroid word and they come back to clinic or, or the look of shock on their face when we actually mention, yes, you know, that inhaled steroid you take and you see their face suddenly drop. Um, and it, it, it's led me to, in clinic, think about using different words to describe the medicines we use. I often now use the words anti-inflammatory to describe the medicines that we use as preventers because I think that that helps. When we get into the older age range, um, a lot of the adherence issues are related to teenagers forgetting or children as they're transiting from childhood through to teenage years. They've, they've got a kind of awkward stage where their parents think that their kids can do it themselves and the kids clearly do it some of the time, but often don't do it. And that leads to that hilarious tripartite conversation conversation that I'm sure that everyone listening to this will be aware of in that I'll be directing questions to the young person and we'll be talking about their medicine I'll say so so how often do you remember to take it in the morning and uh, they go oh well, well I've not been taking it and the look the, the evil look that gets shot at the child from the parent as suddenly you tell me you take it every day um, it's absolutely hilarious that's the honest ones um and, and of course, everyone struggles to remember to take regular medicine. So we have to give them strategies to try and help them to remember to do it. I think adherence has two parts as well. It, it's, it's not just that people being willing to take it or try to take it. When children and young people come back to my clinic, um, it's very clear uh, that many of them have been taking it incorrectly when I ask them to demonstrate how they take their medicines. Um, and we have all sorts of amusement uh, in clinic. It, it's a little bit time consuming. I recognise that to always go through and assess adherence, but it's so useful. Um, th there's no medicine that's, that's less effective than an inhaler taken incorrectly. So just spending that minute or two, seeing how it's being done and checking that people are using the equipment correctly is really important. And, and, and it's, it's relatively straightforward, but I do think that's a barrier for some healthcare professionals because they're worried that they can't instruct someone how to use the medicine very well themselves. They're 
kind of forgotten that fine detail, but there's so much good stuff out there. Um, if you go to the Right Breathe website, there, there's videos to help remind you about what to do. And, uh, you know, I, confessions of a doctor, I still look every now and again and I check that I've got it right and I make sure that I'm doing it correctly. I guess when I'm doing it in clinic most weeks, it, it's pretty good. But if I've been on leave for a couple of weeks, I come back literally a couple of weeks. I'm going, oh, where's that? What's the order I do this in? So if I'm having to think about it, I'm sure everyone listening to this is having to think about it as well. Thank you. So what else can health professionals do to help? Uh, I, I guess the biggest bugbear of mine in clinic is an acceptance of some families that, that they've clearly got from somewhere that John or Emma has got asthma. And so it's just going to be like that, that they can't participate fully in sport or activities or they're always going to wheeze a bit and they're always going to need their blue inhaler. And, you know, I, I think we should be encouraging everyone to aim higher with asthma. If we look at the Olympic athletes and we see how well they do and we look at you know famous sports people who've got asthma, we know that asthma shouldn't be a barrier. Um, so if I had one thing for health professionals, I'd say we all have to aim higher. If we accept poor control, if we accept ongoing symptoms, if we accept that using salbutamol more than two times a week is OK, then we're letting our patients down. And clearly they're going to have more exacerbations and worse outcomes. And clearly at some point, if we look into our data, we're going to realise we've been letting our patients down. So aim higher, everyone. That's brilliant. So what do parents ask you? What is the most common question? Um, I, I think this is related, actually. I, I get asked a lot if I had to have one question, will they grow out of it? And I don't ever tell parents that they will grow out of it. Or if I talk about growing out of asthma, I'm very, very careful. I know that Thinking that you'll grow out of asthma has a very significant and important consequence throughout life. And that is if you've told a seven year old or told their mum because it was their mum who asked that they might grow out of their asthma when they're 12. They try stopping their medicine to see if they've grown out of it. And when they're 12 and a half, they try stopping their medicine. And when they're 13 and when they're 13 and a half, and when they're 14 and then every six months for the rest of their life. And that isn't a great message because it absolutely leads to okay it's common sense if you someone has told you that you trust that you might grow out of it or maybe when you're a bit older because they just want to be the nice guy and soften soften the blow so when i get asked about will i grow out of asthma i talk a bit about things like eczema and it's often quite useful because many parents have got eczema and it goes through good patches and bad patches but somebody who has eczema to truly genuinely outgrow it and never have a problem with their skin again is pretty unusual and I think it's the same for asthma if I got the diagnosis right and I'm going to screen out all those troublesome under five-year-olds who wheeze a bit who might have a slight family history and I'm not absolutely certain it's asthma but if I've got a six-year-old and I've done their lung function and they've got reversibility and they're highly steroid responsive I think the chance of them truly outgrowing it and never needing a treatment is pretty small they may have periods in their life where they're really feeling quite well and they may even be off preventive treatment for a while but my experience is come their 30s 
come the mid 40s, something's there. And I'm very fond of saying in clinic, denial is not just the longest river in Africa. There's so many young adults out there who've, in inverted commas, grown out of their asthma when they were 15, 16, who are wheezing and wheezing and wheezing when they run for a bus, who absolutely refuse to acknowledge that they might still have something that requires treatment. So just be careful of the messaging. So if someone asks you, will they grow out of it? Be careful how you answer and don't just be the nice guy because they will remember that message for the rest of their lives. Thank you. It's really great to hear it explained as clearly as that. So I'm sure it'll help all our colleagues. So finally, what is the one message you would share with colleagues in primary care? Oh, take it seriously. I mean, it's it, asthma's something that gets put in the in the box of it's it's just asthma. I mean, it, it, it does by parents. I think they're getting that message from somewhere. And we're still seeing children in the United Kingdom die from asthma. Uh, and it's really easy not to take it seriously. And when we read through the care and we analyse what's happening to those children who die, then we see that things haven't necessarily been taken seriously. So always ask about control. At the very least, ask the Royal College of Physicians questions. Um, check inhaler technique. Check about adherence. Uh, primary care and now in secondary care. The, my favourite thing to have happened in the last 12 months is that in secondary care now I can access primary care prescription records and I can see how much medicine a patient has been picking up. It's called GraphNet, although we, we've, we've rechristened it as GrassNet because we, we can work out who's not been taking their preventive treatments and challenge them in clinic and say, oh, wait a sec, you say you're taking your medicine, where are you getting it from? <laughs> are you buying it? Which is never the case. And, and sell the product. Be unashamed in your role as a salesperson here. And, and anti-inflammatory to give back control to a family is a much better product than an inhaled steroid, which might frighten some parents. So sell that product because your relationship with the families is a huge advantage. In primary care, knowing families and them trusting you is really important. You can be confident these medicines work. We have huge experience and in low doses, they're incredibly safe. But prescribe and deliver the right medicines to the right patients. If you do that, then asthma will become something that is just asthma for that individual that's well controlled and safe. But you've got to deliver the messages correctly. Well, thank you very much for, for listening today and thank you so much to Will for taking part. Please um, take part in and listen to some more Ask About Asthma events and thanks again for joining.